church boys. Lucas, did you want to start with the announcement or the warning or the... Okay. Yes, I can do that. I usually don't get to start the church boys, so this is quite the honor. I know. It's always um, Chris trying to, like, take the reins. He always steps in there and just, like, you know, gets the first word out. Like, like a so, pig at the front of the pen. So this is very important. So if you're just kind of halfway listening right now, you need to listen up. Listen. If you're halfway listening at this point, then our show is must be even worse than we thought it was because we just started. <laughs> but so we have a disclaimer on this episode. If there are children in the car, in the room, within ears, you know, with an earshot, within ear earshot, I almost said ear sight, but that didn't make sense to me. <laughs> I, know you, I knew where you were going. <laughs> you know, it's very important that you either pause this episode and listen to it at another time or you put on some earbuds in some earbuds on some headphones and because we are going to be talking about some things about christmas and we don't want to give away any spoilers at your house or uh with your children that could violate their childhood and um make you write us mean tweets and emails so Lucas is going to say a bunch of stuff that's going to ruin your children's childhood that's, that's basically right. what is going to happen exactly. here yeah that's so, what we're saying okay yes. i think that's enough time right. we'll give him a couple more seconds to hit that pause button so you don't have to have and, any uncomfortable uh, conversations yes before yes. their time all right there all it right, is there's so this let's, uh, let's, uh... well let's get this over with that, that was a little clue of what we're talking so, about so let me tell you that today my kids have been kind of nightmares. They've been really bad the last couple of days. Wait, and it started on Monday. They've been so kids? good for weeks. I've been, I've been like praising them. They've been so good. Well, we have a thing in our house. It's called Christmas Overload. And we go through this every year. And for the two <laughs> weeks before Christmas, all of the activities and the treats and the, the stupid advent calendars that aren't have nothing to do with Jesus, they're toys and they're awful. And my wife insists on buying them. All of this stuff overloads them and they become even though we tr we like ingrain in them giving during the season they become little nightmares kind of and, then, and, and let's be honest they're they don't go anywhere they go to school they come home there's really nowhere to go so it's like it's kind of a weird time and so the the elf has been moving around the house I, by the way i would incinerate the elf i hate oh, it more than too. almost anything on the face of the earth okay <laughs> I really do. I hate it. If it died, if it fell into a vat and melted, I would be happy. And if it fell so into a vat and melted, I would pull it up before it all the way melted, so that I could cool it off and throw it in again. That's exactly. How much I hate this thing. And the, and then I would torch it. And so my, the other morning, my wife texted me. I like got on the Peloton. It was the first time I had any window to work out. And she's like, "We never." She texted me from, "We never move the elf." And Lily's oh, in no. bed with me, and I can't get up to move it. And I was so mad. Anyway, so today, today, the kids were really bad yesterday. They were great today because, you know, we we like, you know, basically told them you are awful. You need to stop. But but we, we I tried that on this show and it doesn't work. Doesn't. The elf. And I'm not going to elongate this story because it's hilarious. I heard bawling. I heard like crying. I was working. I was in a meeting and I just hear my five year old coming down the stairs crying. Now, my wife during nap time had moved the elf into her bedroom to kind of like say, oh, the elf is is watching. You know, he's checking things out to see how it's going to report to Santa. And she is petrified. She loves the elf in the downstairs living room. Like she loves the idea of it. We didn't realize that she's actually terrified and oh, had actually great. said to me one day, my wife didn't know this, don't ever put the elf in my room. Oh. And so she woke up and it was staring at her. 
and she flipped out. She was crying, and she was just telling me before bed. She's like, "It's so creepy. The elf is just so." I'm like, "I agree. Like, why are we doing this? I agree." Anyway, so when you wake up and some sort of figure, or I mean, stuffed animals are kind of okay, but the moment it becomes a doll-like thing. Mm-hmm. That's a scary deal. It With is. no discernible feet or arm or hands, it's awful. Yeah. It is the it is creepy. It's I creepy. I I'm gonna get myself in trouble here, but I dated a girl in college <laughs> and went down like to elf. visit her family, and I had some other friends from school lived in this area, and um, very old house, but you know, kind of Victorian, all put together. And the room they put me in had like the creepiest doll that you've ever seen. No. No. I don't think I slept at all that night. The relationship didn't last after that. It was that was it. No, yeah, I'm sure it had nothing to do with you. But no, that that <laughs> dolls are creepy to begin with. But that smiling little fiend, and that's what she oh. kept saying. He just keeps smiling at me. Yeah, he's awful. <laughs> Welcome. If we weren't we recording a faith based show, and I wasn't trying to watch my language because my children are in the other room. And well, because I should watch my language anyway. <laughs> I would have all sorts of descriptors for that little son of a gun. Oh gosh! And you just want it to fall apart. That's you all do. you hope for. That you're going to open the Christmas bin, and it's going to be smushed. Its face Riddle, is going to have magically moths, melted. Moths got in there. Yeah, something. But no, it's the most pristine thing in the bins. So how do you guys? So you know, Chrissy and I don't have kids, and maybe not all of Thank our God. audience, you know, is aware of that. You guys both do. How do you guys handle? the whole Santa thing, elf thing, you know, all of that. Well, Chris, do you want to start? Sure. Okay. So I have to be, I have to be careful on how I talk because the children Please are Please hand over the mic. So it's like, going to help. Yeah, well, it kind of, it kind can you do it in pig Latin? Do you I want can, me to talk? Do you want me to start? Because you're going to ruin your can, children's childhood. No, I can funnel this into the microphone because I'm just get up close to the microphone and talk quietly and hope that they're watching television in the other room. So we do Santa here. And number two and number three still believe. Number two's on that fence, right? Right, right along, right along the fence. Like he's not sure this is probably his last year. So he's not. So they're both into it. And so we still do Santa, and we do Santa gifts, and we wrap in special paper so that nothing gets, you know. Sure. Yeah. You got to know which one is <laughs> yeah. his versus right. somebody else. Right. So, but you can't duplicate that. No. Wrapping. The handwriting's gonna look else. a little right. different. We have someone else who does the handwriting. Oh, that's that's next level. Yeah. That's so, next level. That's a um, lot of effort. Well, no, yeah. I mean, it's just like the tags. That's all. Chrissy and I don't even have a tree up right now. I'm just gonna say that. Okay, that's awful. <laughs> that is terrible. That's safe. It's gonna happen because everybody's coming, like her side of the family's coming here for Christmas. So, so we have to make that happen. So we so we also that's do, terrible. We also I know. We also do the little elf on the, the little show. demon elf. Yes, we do yeah. that. <laughs> And it gets Chucky's skinny has, little yes, brother. Exactly. It has to. It has to get moved. Okay, they're standing right out there. They're standing right outside my door. Okay, I can see. Them. So, so it's, it has abort, to, abort. It has to get moved every night. And guess who? Yeah, guess whose job that is? Is that your job? The, the one person in the house who hates that little son of a gun. Oh, I wouldn't Me. move it. And so my teenage, <laughs> my teenage daughter, my thirteen-year-old, she just turned thirteen, so she's officially a teen, teenager. She'll remind me, Daddy, I don't remember the half. Daddy, and my wife, <laughs> and so, and I believe two o'clock in the morning. Did you, did you move the elf? I was like, you're perfectly capable of moving the elf. <laughs> why is but, it? The, why is it the one well, person? That's who why hates she texted me. I'm like, I don't know. Tell her you have diarrhea. Go and move it. I don't well, know what to tell you. I just want to get a workout why in. Why is it the job of the one person in this house who hates it and would 
burn it. And if it were alive, would burn it alive. It's the kind of thing. I can't believe that there aren't horror movies about this thing. There have I to be. I can't believe there be aren't d- divorces and murders because of this thing. There probably are. I will tell you that I can search stomach. that right now while we're talking. <laughs> I can stomach the Santa lie. I'm whispering oh, yeah. it in case anybody's kids are still listening. I can almost stomach it because, you know, it's true. And, and I think it's a good debate. We need to have it um, because I know every time I say that, people get really mad at me. But I, there's actually something about adding to that lie in the, with the elf that I just don't like. Like, there's just something about it. It's like, great. Now I've got another lie. No, I, see, I don't mind the lie. The lie. <laughs> here's a shocker. <laughs> I don't mind lying to my kids. That doesn't hey, guys, me at all. you got to wait. The Elf. <laughs> All is not calm. That is the best. found a poster for that is a film great. called The Elf from 2017. I'm gonna have to watch that. Called yeah. All is not calm. That looks disturbing. I have. I, I have, will have. To I watch have that no one. problem lying to people, my children, at all. My problem is that this thing's a hassle. It's a pain in my neck. If if my wife were doing it, I wouldn't care. But it is, right. she's well, not. Well, so, all right, let's get into the uncomfortable conversation, though, that I think and it's not going to be for us. But the, this Santa thing, I will tell you a few topics that I like the rapture. I can think about a few things in Christian circles that <laughs> enrage people Halloween. so much. The rapture, <laughs> Halloween and Santa. Oh, Those are wait, the three. OK, speaking of Halloween, before we go any further, our, Lucas, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but our friend Billy wrote a book. About he did write a book. Right, I heard about, about that about hell and demons and things and the yeah. topic of Halloween. In fact, they put it out around Halloween for for that very reason. Part because, of it was yeah. based on his experience on this show. Yes, I think, yes part exactly. Of it. But it's about demons, and, demons and hell uh-huh. and all sorts of things. And what's fun is if you go through the reviews of of this book, <laughs> Playing with Fire, and I found a particular highlight that was I, I think probably it's special. It probably is probably the best review of a book I've read. Very insightful. I can't wait. Um, Right, just I mean, almost almost as good as that that diatribe that called Billy a numb nuts. Right, (laughs) this is this ranks up there, and it's short. That's the really nice thing about this. So here's an official Amazon review from a lady named Barb. Barb. (laughs) The title of the review is never edited. The story of Billy Hollowell. And this is a verified purchase, so we know this person has the book, okay? I heard the author, being Fat Billy, I heard the author on a podcast and found the topic fascinating. The book covers some interesting content, but it is... But it is... But it is probably the worst written book I've ever read. Obvious editing errors and the writing is the sort of thing that a junior high teacher teacher would strain to praise. <laughs> I wanted to love the book, but have struggled to turn the pages. <laughs> Sincerely, Barb. So, so I noticed this review. It's <laughs> great. And I thought to myself, like, what's so interesting to me is that people go out of their way to write this kind of stuff. Yes. Somebody else was mad definitely over something I tweeted, I'm sure, because it happened the day I tweeted some stuff and I had a little chaos going on on my Twitter account. And they went and posted a one-star review and they were not a verified purchaser. And so what I hate about that is that it's just it's a nasty thing to do, right? Now, do am I going to hang my life on people's reviews? No, but this particular review made me – it made me laugh, but it also made me like, did this woman – she maybe just hates the book. But does she have some sort of corrupted file? Like there is it when it cut like the editing thing made me wonder. I'm like, are you 
it's fine to think it was poorly written. I just, it's so funny to me how people are. Would you yeah. ever post a review like that, even if you didn't like a book? Uh, I would only post the book if I didn't like the person, which is why I'm right. Which is why I'm clicking helpful yeah, under her under no, the helpful button. Bad <laughs> books before that. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. I've read some books so, I hate that I wouldn't do that on. I feel like it's kind of personal when people do that, and maybe it's not. But Barb, if you're out there, I'm happy to talk with you, and I'd love to find out what. I almost wanted to, because you can comment, I wanted to be like, can you point me to the areas where all of these issues are? Because it would be helpful. Let me know. Um, but yes. That, so although it, the books crossed over 100 reviews, which is very nice on Amazon, yeah. which is exciting. Um, but why didn't Barb put her last name? I thought that was kind of strange, too. Well, well, I don't know. Scan, it was yeah. the best because, name I listen, could think of at the time, Billy. I was going to use Scanlon because, because Scanlon wasn't creative enough to come up with the last name. And Scanlon's <laughs> too cheap. I don't believe she paid full retail. <laughs> she borrowed it from someone who did. <laughs> also, this woman's name is probably Karen. Let's be honest. That, that, that is the most Karen book review I've ever. That is a very Karen book oh, review. Barb. I Is it not? Is oh, it not? Barb. So I actually sent it to my publisher because I was like, not I didn't want to be a camera, but I wanted to be like, is there something going on? Like, is it possible that there's some sort of digital version of this that is jacked up in some way and that you need to look into? And so we got a good laugh about it. But, you know, listen, Lucas, when your book comes eventually soon, which I don't think oh. we could talk about still. Um, we, we can after the first of the year. I can okay, start so when I when so. that comes, I cannot wait. I you are going to have so many angry reviews because yeah. of the topic. It's going to be awesome. Um, be so wonderful. there you go. But we were we were talking okay, so, about Santa though, yes. and you derailed us, Chris. I have, yes, you did. I, we I don't think Halloween I derailed first. us. I think I enhanced the show. You enhanced the show. Okay. Um, wait, should we start the show before we talk about Santa? Well, we can do well, that. Let's let's do that. Let's so do we that. will we will talk about. Um, Santa. We will talk about the fat man, but and about Billy and Santa Claus uh, here in. Speaking just, of Fat uh, Man, before you do that, uh -huh. Mel Gibson has a new movie called. Oh, it looks the fat so man. good. I just watched it. Was it good? Just, it was. It was bizarre, but I'm glad I did. Are you because it, it looks fantastic to me? I'd it's like to... not as amazing as I wanted it to be, but it was still. <laughs> well, let's it talk. Was still let's talk worthwhile. about that too yeah. when we get back. So we'll talk about Santa Claus, and we'll talk. And about... then you guys, we need to talk about whether or not I should join SAG. We should talk about that too because I'm still lamenting. I have an answer for that. <laughs> I know what your answer is. All right. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Well, let's start the show and then we'll get going. Maybe we'll start the show here. Just why is this not working? My, no, because I'm, you're I'm so the soundboard and nothing job. is happening. Right. I don't know. All I see is your like Boba Fett jiggling on your shirt. What, it's what not, is that creature again? It's Yoda. It's Yoda. Oh, he's wearing a shirt with Yoda on it. I'm so Yoda tired of this BS with Yoda. Well, that's not for the for the record for the for the listeners. He's not. It's not Baby Yoda. This is old no, this school. This is Yoda. actual Yoda. Baby Yoda, baby Yoda is, is, is not a thing. Baby Yoda's not a, baby Yoda's not. It's not actually Yoda Baby Yoda. Right. Baby yeah. Yoda is the laziest. It's a Kermit the Frog looking you know weirdo what? that they put in a toga and they're oh, trying to pass it off gosh. as something cute. It's not cute. It's awful. Chris and I will be searching for a new co-host of the Church Boys if anybody's interested in <laughs> yes, joining Yes, or, you know, be much like because, Star Wars. Because of the weight we'll be jettisoning, we might be hiring too. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Hello! From the sublime to the ridiculous, but mostly ridiculous. Billy Hollowell. Hey, does this suit make me look fat? It's not what he said, you ignorant wretch. Chris Field. Bad guy in little gold. Let me tell you why I suck. Lucas Miles. I want you to forget what you saw here today. Aw, 
I've interrupted happy time. The church boys. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I hate these guys. All right, so we got to talk about the fat man. We got to talk about Santa Claus, intro, by the way. and we got to talk about um, your Mel Gibson movie. So yes, Fat Man, Santa, go. Oh, yeah, that guy. Um, I guess. Okay, so <laughs> is it right or wrong to celebrate Santa? Not in the traditional historical, not in the historical sense, but in the sense of telling kids there's a man who's going to deliver presents to them on on Christmas Eve. Is, is that is that wrong from a biblical perspective, Pastor Lucas? You may go first. So. You know, Chrissy and I, we don't have kids. And so that's one of the that's one of the benefits, perhaps, of of not having children is that we don't have to deal with the Halloween discussion or the Christmas discussion. And so um, now I understand the challenge there. Um, I think that when it comes to something like Christmas, I mean, I grew up believing in Santa, um, you know, to a certain age till I was about in kindergarten. And uh, I'll tell my story, you know, here uh, a little bit later as we get into this. But um, the I think that it can almost, you know, sort of uh, um, supplant like the the gospel narrative in a lot of families where you, you know, it becomes more about Santa and becomes more about, um, you know, the this kind of modern image of Christmas than it does about Christ and about the the um uh you know just just the birth of the birth of jesus this sort of you know the really the gospel story and i think that you know that's a dangerous place but i think it if we can create some balance um i don't know as though you know i don't think it's unbiblical to do it or in the sense that you know it's it's uh i get the it's tough because there's all these pagan like symbolisms and these things in that but i kind of take the viewpoint of let's use culture to amplify the gospel. And I think that's been the church view for a really long time. Um, but I think that, you know, cause if you were to throw out everything that had any sort of like pagan root to it, I mean, there would be, no we'd be tossing trees, out a lot of stuff. No Easter eggs, well, all that kind of stuff. Why can't you just take the, I feel like you can take something and make it something else. Right. And that's what we did with December 25th. I mean, that's what happened, yeah. you know, and we don't know when Jesus was born. Like it very likely was not December 25th. There are some sure. who, who argue it was whatever. But the point is it, there, you know, that that was a co-opting of a time that, that there were celebrations going on that were pagan. And, you know, I think it, it made it easier to help people move from those celebrations into the celebration of Jesus's birth. So I guess for me, one of the things that's hard because I don't like the whole Santa's watching Santa's watch. I'm like, God is watching like Jesus. Is, like you're right. being watched by God. Like, and, and so we slip into that sometimes and I kind of cringe. Cause I don't like, it's like, I don't want to hold Santa over their head, but yet I, I think that that can be done in a healthy way to a degree. But I think the, the most compelling argument that I've heard is that, you know, once your kid finds out, you know, that they, that they're kind of wondering, well, why did you lie to me about that? And because, it's supernatural in a sense that there that there could be some blowback in other areas. Are you also lying to me about God? Are you lying right. to me about this right. this Jesus story? Yeah. Have you had it's, to have that conversation with any of your congregants, any people who attend your churches, or as a pastor? didn't you ruin a Christmas? So didn't I, I, oh, I a few years this. back. Oh, <clears throat> this is a this this story still haunts me. <laughs> There's about three moments in pastoral history in my life that one was getting beat up. This is this is one of them. 
no that's you know when when it's not your fault it's you can kind of make it through but this this was my fault so when i was i'm going to start at the beginning here when i was a kid probably is either kindergarten or first grade i figured out that santa wasn't real and i and i'm kind of doing this again by default but i'm going to reference our disclaimer that people heard at the start of the show so if i just ruined your life you know, this is it's on you at this right, point. Right, right. You've been um, but uh, I found out in kindergarten, had this suspicion. So my teacher leaves the room. It's right around Christmas time. And I stand up on my desk with the entire kindergarten room. And I like tell everybody, hey, guys, oh, no. I found this out. Santa's not real. And so about, I don't know, probably seven years ago or so now, maybe even maybe even closer to 10. I was at our church. We're doing a Christmas Eve service. And, you know, I kind of like my teaching style is very like I'm not the I'm not like pre-planning all this sort of stuff. I mean, you know, so you can have some off the cuff sort of thoughts that work its way in, right. especially back then. And I work this story somehow about how I I'm telling them when I was a kid that I did this. And I don't remember what my point was. I don't remember what sort of truth I tied this to. In my head, it all made sense at that moment. And I realize as I look out into the audience, and our, our place was packed. It was probably one of the most packed Christmas services we've had and Christmas Eve services. And it's right before, you know, we do like the candlelight thing right at the end. And these parents are looking at me horrified, horrified. And I think we had a couple families leave the church over it. Like it was, wait, wait, it was like a thing. It was like a thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was, I, ba- and I like kind of. I mean, I stopped myself, but I was so far into the story that kids were kind of like, "Wait a minute, what? What's going on?" You know, and I like somehow tried to like pull it through, oh, and so I kind of have trepidation about like Christmas Eve services in general now. Like, it's, I get like little like ticks and stuff that happens. If I were a parent, you know, because I, been furious, I ruined Christmas that I year, been furious. As a yeah, you would people. You could imagine people yeah. were mad. It was. Yeah. It was I, bad. I actually would have been. I don't know. This is like in my we have to worry about this in our family because we have people who think Santa is the devil in our family. And so if we are petrified we, that they are going to intentionally tell the kids. Should we have that discussion, Billy? Oh, please, I, no, we can't. Not not today, Satan. You know, I will tell you, I will tell you, though, that that is, you know, a, a big concern. But I, I so I listen, I sympathize with both sides of the Santa debate. I understand both sides. We've chosen to do it when it was hard to have the conversation. You know, Ava's my eight year old. She turned eight in August. She has always asked questions like when she was three years old, she was like, that looks like Bobo because uh, her grandfather dresses up. Meanwhile, like the older kids in the family still don't know, you know, like they're still there are older kids in the family who still are kind of like on the fence. And she's always kind of been skeptical of it and asked questions. And it got to the point this summer where she was asking and I didn't want to lie anymore about it. I told him if we can't we can't keep lying. like now she's actually asking us. So we sure. have to be I felt like yeah. when a kid is really asking, they want you to tell them the truth yes. and they know. And so I felt it was wrong to lie. And so we yeah. told her and she took it really well. Actually, I did not take it well when I yeah. found out. And Lucas, you got on a chair and told everyone. <laughs> I got on a chair, and then, but like the like, I it was basically like the irony was I just did it again. Here was like, it was you know thirty some years later, and the I'm final destination you now on a stop. on a stage with a microphone uh, telling everybody this. You I know, wonder if here. any children from that kindergarten class were in that auditorium <laughs> listening to you do it to their children <laughs> after you oh, did it to them. It was bad. This guy it was has bad. Screwed I, me I, twice. 
I still feel bad about. It. I feel bad even telling the story because I can't tell the story without also acknowledging. Can you please make it the the title of this episode? Not. Like this. What is it? <laughs> Ruining Christmas. I just I have I thought Lucas I was, ruins Christmas. Santa spoiler alert. Lucas Luke. So Lucas the ruins. you know, but here's the interesting thing. From you asked me like from a from a biblical standpoint, or I guess you know Christian standpoint. Um, you know, and people may or may not know this. So St. Nicholas was an actual figure in the early church. Like from Turkey and or so something, right? he would have been during the, I think it would have been during the third century, you know, probably somewhere, I don't know, 250, you know, 260, 270, somewhere in there. And it is actually reported that he was at the Council of Nicaea, which is a really interesting aspect. Mm. It's not confirmed, but it was reported. But the... Um, he was known for being the secret gift giver. He has a lot of miracles that are attributed to him. And so that kind of is what, you know, spawned a lot of the tradition that's there. And so, you know, that to me helps with the idea of Santa. If it's if it's pulling off of, you know, kind of this person in, in Christian history rather than just maybe some sort of pagan variant. I mean, there's actually much more pagan roots in, say, something like a Christmas tree mm -hmm. than there is in the person of Santa Claus. Did you edit, now, are you guys fans of the Christmas Chronicles movies that are on Netflix? We just yeah, watched Kurt, the second one. Kurt Russell's Santa. The, yeah. the best Santa maybe ever on screen. Until <laughs> you see the fat man with Mel Gibson. Oh, I guess we got, and we need to talk about that. But I, I loved on, so Christmas Chronicles, the first one, I loved. Very original. Yeah. I loved the whole thing. And, and having a tough guy, Kurt Russell, Santa, that's like, yeah. this is perfect, right? Yeah. I don't go ho, 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 right? It's a myth. <laughs> Fake news, right? But then, and then they had that little teaser at the end where Goldie Hawn is Mrs. Claus, which was brilliant in my mind. Because yes. to me, Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn can do no wrong. I mean, Have they you seen are, the second one? Yeah, so I've seen the second okay. one. And yeah. I loved that they brought in, this is who the real St. Nicholas was, that he was this guy in Turkey, and he's putting oranges yeah. and socks. Yeah, yeah. And, that yeah. the, and that the, the magic of... The North Pole is based on the fact that they've got a sliver of the Bethlehem star. I mean, I thought, yeah, there was some they didn't, faith they didn't things have written to do, into that. They didn't have to do that, and they did. I thought it was great. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I think, um, I think Netflix. There, there's some weird stuff going on over there. I think they're trying to pull in the audience. I mean, did you guys see that show? If you haven't watched yet, it's totally worth watching. Um, Country Ever After, the reality show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love. We loved it. Yeah. Have you have met you them, watched, by the way? I just interviewed him. Yeah. Okay, so I I met him at that the thing that you were supposed to be out uh, on the West Coast with uh, oh at the yeah, house of our at, friend that, yes. at that place. Yes, yeah, that's, I, um, I met them there, and they were kind of starting to talk about it then. So it was like just in the works. And what is this? I haven't I've not heard of this. Right a. Anderson and his wife um, Priscilla, they have a reality show. Uh, he's he's a um, country music. Uh, uh, He's a black you know. country music star from Texas. Okay. Yes. She is a white hip hop dancer who danced for Britney Spears and and they're both Christians. Interesting. And real, like real Christians. And like she's been on a health journey, you know, kind of battling cancer and, you know, treatments and everything. So they kind of show all of that, cool. you know, in the show. And uh uh and it's it's I mean, it's honestly it's one of the best reality shows I've seen. Um it's very it's duck dynasty-ish, but more authentic yes yeah 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 it doesn't feel as scripted and that sort of stuff with it so um but yeah great great uh great program no you gotta watch it so so yeah what was the point with that what, oh netflix they're trying netflix. to they're trying i feel like they're trying to slip these things in after the whole cuties thing especially they've been emphasizing <laughs> some of these projects I, I feel like but um, i mean it's uh, yeah they're 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 figuring out they gotta appeal to the all audiences which is you know yeah probably smart. um all right so so 
as far as as far as Santa goes, I think the history of it's important. That's what we actually told my daughter. Like, this is who Santa was. And so she doesn't seem bothered by it. I was kind of like traumatized by it when I was a kid. I was upset mm. for a couple of days. I got over it, but I was really upset that it wasn't true. You know, I really believed it. And so I get it. I get the concern over it. But I also think that Christians need to realize some we need to realize that people act on conviction. If you're not convicted about something, maybe you should be sometimes, but I think if you've if you feel like you've done the right thing, you've prayed about it, you're not convicted about it, then we can't force that on other people. And I think with the Santa thing, people get really like yeah. freak out over it. They think part, you're it's also part of the fun and the joy of this season. The music, the lights, the decorations, the gifts, the cookies, Chris Santa, admitted Santa the cookies, Claus, the cookies, the candy. <laughs> it's all a reminder of the joy of this season that, sh- that there should be a, a joy here. But I, I don't remember being devastated. I guess I don't remember being devastated when I found out. I do remember. I do remember having that discussion, but I don't remember it being like a punch to the gut. But I do remember. So the worst thing, the one of the, you know how you go through life and you're as old as I am, your memory fades. But there are certain things that stand out in your mind, like certain memories. Like if I had to pick right. five memories that are the most stark, like it's either a really good feeling or a really lousy feeling. Right. Yeah, yeah. Probably my, in my top five, maybe in my top two is, so I spoiled Santa for my little sister and I didn't even, it was just like an mm-hmm. off the cuff thing. And we were driving from, it was Christmas day. We, we had already done stockings and everything. And we're driving over to my grandparents' house and on the way, I say, you know, Santa's not real. It's mom and dad. And my mom and dad are like, what (laughs) are you doing? And she cries. She's devastated. I didn't even like, I didn't even, I don't even know why I did it. I did. And and then at that moment, I didn't know why I had done it. I had no clue. I was a terrible person. But I wasn't. (laughs) You're a terrible person who likes to ruin things. So anyway, so there was that. But then you know this. Uh, Billy, my father-in-law, who who died, who passed away a couple of years ago, he was a professional Santa Claus. I mean, that was he made more in his month of being Santa, being Santa, than he did all year long in other. I mean, this guy made a ton of money as a professional Santa Claus, and in his retirement year, so he's just raking in cash doing Santa Claus. Anyway, when we lived out on the on the East Coast, we had a, a couple that went to our church and came to our house at Thanksgiving, and they had two little girls who were probably, I don't know, five and seven or something when they came to visit. And he was there for Thanksgiving. He had had Thanksgiving off, and he was on the East Coast, and he came up to our house in Virginia, had dinner with us, and they got to meet Santa Claus as well. And so he put on the he put on the outfit and everything. They got to meet him, and he was telling them, make sure you be a good girl for your mom, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And even these were, excuse me, Haley and Paige. And so he so Thanksgiving gets over, and later that weekend, we get a call from their mom, Amy, and she goes, you have you are not going to believe this. They've been trying to be so good and everything. And she said, and I was oh, she told us at church this morning. She goes, I was trying to get my daughter. I was trying to get Haley ready for church this morning, and I'm brushing her hair, and she just breaks down sobbing. <laughs> and Amy goes, "What's the matter, sweetheart?" She goes, "Mom, I can't do it." She goes, "What?" She goes, "I can't be good all the way to Christmas." <laughs> and so anyway, so it, what was really cool was my father-in-law called them. He found out about this. We told him, we laughed, but he called them and he talked to her and he says, listen, I don't expect you to be perfect all the time. Sam doesn't expect you to be perfect all the time. Just expect you to try your best. And what I want you to know more than anything else is how much Jesus loves you. And he's telling her all this, you know, and it was really good. It was a really good, a really good moment for her. But what the funny thing was, all he said was, I want you to be good. 
And this girl had gotten from him and then from television shows and songs that like, you got to be good all the time. Yeah. But that wasn't something her mother had preached to her. That's not something we teach our, we, it's not something we do with our kids. We don't hold that over them. We, we talk about Santa, but we don't hold that part over them. And so I think that performance I, thing though, is just yeah. innate. Like, I mean, it's part of yeah, the, yeah. it's law and grace. Oh, I've totally used it. I mean, you're a good parent. I've you're apparently a parent of the, because I've been like, you're, you're on the naughty list right now and you got to work your way <laughs> off of it. A hundred percent. No, this was this week was the first time I ever used it. I was like, you are they were they have been absolutely awful. I'll tell you one thing, after that naughty list, and we also have the app, which I mean now I'm just like spilling oh, all the beans. See, but we worse. have Santa app worse. where they call and you put in your kid's age and name and you can put like being oh, nice, wow. being a jerk basically, and you pick and then Santa will call and be like, Is this Liliana? And she's like, Yeah, it's me. And he's like, You've been a total jerk, stop. But he says it in a nice Santa way. And if you don't stop, I'm you're I'm gonna have to put you on the naughty list. So yeah, I've totally oh, no. used it. Oh, I wow, ne- never. Wow, used this that. has evolved since wow. I was a so kid. This, you are really worse than I thought. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've used it a few times, and honestly, I feel guilty about that though, because then I feel like I'm leaning too far into the lie. And I do think there's something about the lie. The darks. <laughs> I yeah, I mean, I don't know. I uh, I don't know. I feel like while we're on this dark topic, we should talk about Beth Moore, maybe. Well, well first, on this dark topic, Fat Man. Fat Man, I want to no see this. Okay, so... No, is it, wait, is it... Do you have to rent it, or is it... Just I rented like a, it on Amazon. Okay, it was like six ninety nine. Okay. Chrissy watched it with me. Uh, we actually have uh, a friend of ours is living with us right now. She watched it as well, so she's waiting for her house is to she also the girl? Does she also do your lawn? No, she doesn't do our lawn. No, she leads worship at our church, and so okay, right. she bought a house, and so she's waiting for you know floors and stuff to get redone, so... Um, but uh, so we all watched that and you know, it, the, the basic premise without giving, you know, too many spoilers away for you is Santa is, um, he's, he's gruff. He's, he's been doing this a long time. Um, it's kind of weird. The Mrs. Claus thing was, was weird in it. They have, um, like she had a different name, like mm-hmm. it, it, that the couple side of it didn't work as well for me. It was bizarre, but it maybe fit with the overall motif of the show. But there is um, it's like known across the world that Santa's real. Mm-hmm. So in this in this in this film, and so people know that, you know, they don't know where he lives, but they know he's a real thing. And there's actually like people selling their old toys and all the ones that are from Santa, like have this little special plaque on the bottom of them. So there's like collectors and those things that are like, you know, that they're worth a lot more if you have an authentic, you know, Santa toy. And um, basically this this kid teams up with a hitman after getting coal in his stocking and decides that he wants, and he's, he's a wealthy kid. He's kind of a, you know, his, his dad had passed away. He inherited all this money. His grandma's, you know, old and, you know, like basically, you know, just delirious. And so he kind of works her and he hires this hitman to go kill Santa. And Mel Gibson has this line in the movie and it's in the trailer and where it's like the final face off between the two. And he goes, you think you're the first one to ever come for me? You know, and it's just like, <laughs> it is like the best one. He's like, you don't it's get to be awful. in this position. Sounds, sounds you know? It's like the Mars attacks of Christmas movies. Yeah, but it's like. it's almost like if I would were to like, you know, maybe uh, related to anything, it would be like Fargo. It's kind of oh, like really? that sort of, yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty. So you it's, you know, violent if you it? like kind of that dark comedy, yeah, yeah. you know, it's it's worth I think it's worth taking a look at. Fargo is great, by the way. If you've never seen yeah. Fargo, the movie, I've never seen yeah. the TV. Yeah. Show. If you've seen yeah the, movie, the movie Fargo is fantastic. It's not. I don't think it's as rough as Fargo is. Yeah. 
you know, it's it's a it's a Christmasized version, okay. you know, uh, pulled back a little bit from Fargo. Right. So let's let's take a break and let's. Build, did you were gonna you say your mouth was agape, Billy? But I was no, say, I was I was hungry. That's all. <laughs> let's take a break. Let's come back and we can either talk about Beth Moore or we can talk about a, a Christmas special that perhaps has sent the wrong message to children since 1964, which would be the claymation uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed that, Reindeer. That's really scarred you. Rudolph has really well, I love, scarred listen, I love, I watch it every that, year. I, am I watch so, it every year and I love I'm it, but you. you think about the messaging in that, and I think that's worth exploring. We need to explore both topics, both Rudolph and... Uh, um, well, let's start with Rudolph because okay. I don't know if I have the... Go to the break. Let's, we'll, let's go to we'll the break and then we'll come right back. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. The church boys. Man, I eat these guys. Now, Billy, mm-hmm. did you watch as a child? Did you watch Christmas specials? Or was that something that when happened in your home? Oh, no. We yeah. I mean, we just watched Frosty tonight. Like while I was working, no, I, I, didn't I say, like the kids I said had it when on. You were a child. I said, when you I were mean, a child. I am still a child. But yeah, we we wa- I watched them obsessively every year. I had like a slate of them. Yeah. And yeah. one of them was Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer. So let's hear your issues. One of my I don't have like issues issues, but. It's one of my all-time favorites. I absolutely love my children. My children enjoy it. If it's on television, like see, it was one on CBS or something, we have it record. We have it on DVD or whatever, right? You can watch it anytime. But if it comes on television, like if I see CBS, it'll be playing at eight o'clock tonight on CBS. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to turn on CBS tonight and watch it live with everybody else in the world, right? So nobody I, else does I, that, but you. I love I love the show. But, DVRs things. But, but when you watch, I don't know if you've noticed this, but when you watch. Uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, you realize that Santa's kind of a dear jerk in this show? That he's not really necessarily the jolly old elf that we would like to think that he is and that maybe everybody at the North Pole is a bunch of <laughs> douche canoes? I mean, it is. Have you... Have you pro- I mean, L- Lucas, are you with me on this? Did no, you? I never... It just never sat well with me for whatever reason. The whole claymation thing—I don't like animation in general. So, like cartoon and cartoon. claymation, that's what this set is. Yeah, it just—it just doesn't really do it for me. So it always creeped me out. But I—I I just felt like there was something off about the characters sometimes. Okay. Rudolph feels a little light in his loafers, a little bit. <laughs> and Hermie the Elf. <laughs> yes, just, yeah, Hermie the I Elf just as want well. To be a dentist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay. And so I feel like there's some secret like messaging happening in there and the, the our culture today might be a direct result of what that of that program. <laughs> I, oh my gosh. I think you could follow it back. Like just, hold on. I the guy who made all of these Rom, Rankin, Romeo what? Rankin Bass is who's behind who's behind Yes, it. but the the guy who wrote them and I, I why am I not I have to find his name. I have to find I his name. I didn't even know that. Yeah, the guy who wrote all of these, he's written them all. He did this other great one in 1990 or 1991, and it, it's called Noel. It's about this Christmas ornament, and it flopped. 
So like after all these amazing hits and then he died the year that they released it. And this Andrea, my wife, is obsessed with this movie. Every year she has Noel. the kids watch it. Noel. It's called Noel. And it's on YouTube. I don't even know who owns the rights to it. I've tried to like get Pure Flix and other people to put it up. Is it a Rankin Bass creation as well? It's I don't it's not I don't know if Rankin Bass are involved in that one, but mm. it's the same writer who wrote the others. And it did not do well. But it's about this ornament who discovers a happiness, but the whole thing is over the nativity at this Christmas tree. And um, it's every year the ornament gets taken out and he learns more and more about the world. Anyway, I won't ruin it. It's worth watching. It's worth pulling up on YouTube and watching with your kids. When did that come out? I think it was 1991. Um, I'm I'm trying to pull it up because the guy. Um, yes, I got it. Romeo Mueller. Yes, Romeo Mueller. I'm pretty sure he huh. wrote all of these. And he like, died. Did he write the yeah. music too or just like, the storyline? I so like the storyline a lot. He died in 92. Hmm. And um, I've tried to track it. Like I've called people's homes who were like worked with him at the production company to try to track it down because I was like that interested in this in this Christmas special. Yeah, he wrote Whatever. Frosty the Snowman. Hep. Happy uh, birthday. Uh, yeah, Romeo <laughs> Muller, right? Or Mueller. Yeah. Uh, Santa is coming to town. <clears throat> uh, yeah, he's got he's got quite a bit of credits on IMDb. So anyway, it's another Christmas special for those of you listening. If you're looking for something with your kids, it's called Noel. It's about a little red ornament and a glass maker who cries tears of joy and the tear gets inside the ornament and it kind of gives him this. I know it sounds strange, but when he I don't want to give the whole story away. Anyway, he falls off the tree and he I don't shatters. Think are, I don't think that's the oh, spoiler no, no. alert this, that's going to make everything You Well, please. I think it is. It's wonderful. And this he travels around the world and, <laughs> you know, the nativity, the real meaning for Christmas is what inspires him. So it's great. Okay. So are you done with that then? I don't know. I mean, yeah, whatever that was. Whatever that I don't, was. I don't know what it was. I'm trying to bring some joy. and you. All right. So, up. so now I have a couple clips from move, Rudolph you know? that I'd like for us to discuss and understand. This is the kind of jerkiness that's going on at the North Pole. Now, this is from toward the beginning of the show. There, I have two clips from the birth of Rudolph or shortly after. Not, not the actual birth. Ah! <laughs> I mean, it's like, like post-birth, right? Everybody's cleaned up. All oh, it's okay. So. <laughs> this is this is Rudolph's parents after he's born, and then his little light shines from his nose and makes a sound whenever it's lit. Okay, so this is the first one. Nah, we'll we'll call him Rudolph. He's, he's got a shiny nose. It's a, it's a shiny, I'd even say it glow. Well, we'll simply have to overlook it. Now how can you overlook that? His beak blinks like a blinking beacon. So. Good parenting lesson number one in uh, in 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 Rudolph. Hey, hey we'll, we'll show him, see. <laughs> so our kid's gonna get beat up, see. So this is that's the parents, right? So then that shortly follows then with Santa, right? And this is the first example of Santa's dickishness. <laughs> well, Donner, where's the new member of the family? After all, if he's going to be on my team someday, he'd better get to know me. <laughs> Great bouncing iceberg. Now, I'm sure it'll stop as soon as he grows up, Santa. Well, let's hope so if he wants to make the sleigh team someday. No, Santa's right. He'll never make the sleigh team. Nah, see? So, 
Billy, do you are you understanding now what the problem is with this show? I am, but he's just a capitalist. And I actually feel like no, that's our, not capitalist. I actually that's... feel like our version of Santa that we all know and love is kind of a, like a little bit of a socialist. And so it's interesting because he gives things if, away. Want, if you guys have to be honest a little bit here, this no. you gotta you gotta no. you gotta this make is, it or you're gonna you're gonna is, break. Is, I mean this that's... is jerk dictator Santa, and we like charitable I don't private see this charitable giving Santa, Santa Claus. I see the Santa we all know and love is like spreading it. Oh, here's all the joy. He's probably living off of taxpayer dollars, let's be honest. <laughs> it's interesting. You have these, I think, cartoon characters and kind of these animation sort of characters and, and like legends that exist. You also see this in the superhero world. And I know that, you know, yeah. Billy doesn't always love the superhero yeah. world. But, you know, you think about and, you know, well, and I think Batman had a Christmas special at one point. But you think about the the old school, like, you know, um, uh, Adam. um What's his name? Adam the West. Original. Yes, Adam West Batman. Yeah. And you see that Batman is just, you know, very like, I mean, he's the, uh, he could have lived, um, you know, he was the 1950s Batman. You know, that's just what he felt like. And then you kind of see these variations as it goes through. And now Batman today, like the new version that they're working on uh, with the guy from Twilight is like emo, you know, right. dark, like Antifa Batman is like who we have today. And you kind of have this same like you know transition transition that's happening with Santa, and I think that the Fat Man movie was sort of like that version. Like we have, this, he just keeps getting this darker and darker sort of character. And so you know, if he starts off as capitalist Santa, then he becomes socialist Santa, and now he becomes like you know, um, you know, total uh, you know hitman Santa or whatever. Like, um, yeah, it's it, I think it's a it's a statement on where society is is drifting. I got a couple more clips now from Rudolph just to kind of show what kind of garbage we're teaching our children in the show. So this is from Elf Practice. I don't remember if they remember Elf Practice, but they bring Santa in. He's sitting in his throne. The the elves come in and one of the elves has written a special song just for Santa Claus, mind you. Right. This is all for Santa. They've been practicing. And Santa, listen to our song. So he, he patiently listens. And during the song, he's waving around because he's annoyed. And it finally gets over. So I've clipped out most of the song. But here's the, the intro to it and then the end. And this is Santa and the bad attitude that he has. Oh, practice! Well, let's get this over with. I have to go down and look over the new deer. Okay, Santa. Now let's try out the new elf song I wrote. And remember, it's for Santa. And the one and the two and the three Ho, 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 ho. We are Santa's elves, ho, ho. Hmm, well, it needs work. I have to go. Okay, so he spent all, they spent all that time and energy. And what does he do? Screw you, I'm out of here. You're you're it's very you're very snowflakey about this. I see that as a successful CEO who needs to get down <laughs> to the production room floor and who is saying this is not up to par. We cannot sell this. this when Billy, who kind not. of borders on being a partial social socialist at times partial. in New York, is calling this Santa capitalist, I think I have to agree with him. I think oh, that no. like you know, I, I I think that Chris, this you know, being in the, okay, the northwest there is starting to rub off on you a little bit. Okay, so but but still, let's keep let's stick with the theme of dickishness <laughs> at the North Pole. Part four. We'll hide Rudolph's nose. Hide it? Yeah. Come here, boy. You'll be a normal little buck just like everybody else, right? A chip off the old antlers. Now, now, you'll get used to it. Donner is determined to keep Rudolph's nose a secret. For lives. All right, son, try it on. I don't wanna. Daddy, I don't like it. You'll like it and wear it. Oh, but Daddy... 
It's not very comfortable. There are more important things than comfort. Self-respect. Santa can't object to you now. So, again, this is the stuff we're teaching children. There are more important things than comfort. You can't be comfortable if you don't work for it, Chris. Self-respect. This is what we say in this country. you got to work hard. If you're not going to work hard, you're not going to eat. so fine, Billy. You're totally just... Okay, I've got I've got a capitalist solution and insertion so, for every one of these. And so, so then, like so it. then this is the this is the final part where they they're playing the reindeer games and right in education time they're all learning how to fly and he's this is when he meets his little his little his little band his little buddy and then his future girl his his future girlfriend wife is at this and this is where they meet. But you know I've clipped so out, much. I've clipped out the portions of this. You've seen this a lot. Out, I, oh, I have. I've clipped out portions of this that I think demonstrate again. After I ruined Christmas North in kindergarten, Christmas. I t- kind of turned my back on it for a while. Who All knew right. we were going to have Bernie Sanders on the show? Let's go ahead, burn. Play. I want to feel the burn. This play is it. the this is the last clip I'm going to play <laughs> from Rudolph. It's when all the new fawns come out with their folks to meet the other new fawns and to be inspected by Santa. All right, all right, Yellings. All right now. That's better. My name is Comet, and even though I'm your instructor, I want to be your pal, right? Right. My job is to make bucks out of you, so let's go. Rudolph, you get back here. It's your turn, you know. For crying out loud. Fireball, what's the matter? Get away. Get away from me. Now, 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 now. What's this nonsense here, Bucks? After all, <laughs> hey, look at the beach. Hey, buy us new. Rainbow boys, right now. Stop calling me names. Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer. Donner, you should be ashamed of yourself. What a pity. He had a nice takeoff, too. Jerk Santa. All right, all right now, yearlings. Back to practice. Oh, no, not you. You better go home with your folks. From now on, Join in any reindeer games, right? From right, right, right. now on, we won't let Rudolph join any reindeer games, right? Right. Well, I mean, it right. feels to total, me, the total if I'm being honest, the, it's it's the really ball. the scene from the 2016 campaign when <laughs> Trump was insulting Ted Cruz's wife and everybody was laughing on the right about it. <laughs> and I think we just all need to be okay with that so because that Santa, already happened. I mean, and, Okay, so this, you know. is, this is Santa Trump. Then I didn't even I didn't even pull the clips from the the land of misfit toys, where all the bad toys that people rejected were. I have sent. to sleep tonight, Chris. It's <laughs> right? that's like, gonna. There's I'm some not, nightmares gonna here that come from that. I didn't pull those clips, but I don't, nobody wants a Charlie in the box. I mean, that's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't really see. I, I have to be honest. I don't see an issue with any of this. Oh, you're such a monster. You're just an absolute monster. Okay, so. Let's just do an awkward transition. I don't have the button here, so Billy, you wanted to talk about uh, Beth Santa Moore. Beth Moore, yeah. Okay, so so she could you play guys- Mrs. Claus in a in a show. She could. Oh, you. I just I had a really Christian moment because I almost responded with something that was a joke, but it was not going to go over well, and I stopped myself. <laughs> you know, I think uh, I think I know who could play Santa Claus with her. COVID-19! <laughs> <laughs> um, I just can't. That would be awesome. But, <laughs> would be awesome. 
Did you guys see? Okay, so Chris well, gets so tired. Speaking of what? Kenneth Copeland, somebody did a. I gotta find it sometime. I'm, Do I'm not put I, Lucas in a bad situation. No, 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 no. This isn't. This isn't a ridicule. Kenneth Copeland. Somebody found a, a sermon he was giving that was online, and they took it and they put it to heavy metal music. Like they wrote heavy metal music to go with it because they noticed the cadence of his speech, and it's 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 like I almost. Think I saw it. It's almost like it's almost a record you could sell. It's that good. Yeah. It is yeah. so great, and the and the subject matter is talking about COVID and re, you know I I reject you COVID. And there's going to be a vaccine. I mean, but it's like goes he writes. You have to tweet that out on on the Church Boys page so people can hear it. All right, go ahead, Billy. Now all I can think about is Ken, Kenneth Copeland dancing around a stage. Um, more. Bedmore, Bedmore. So she tweeted, and it was interesting. She tweeted about this Christian nationalism, this discussion about um, whether or not we need to separate our. When I think the answer is yes, our love from country from our love from Trump, or I mean, well, our love for country and Trump from our love for Jesus, right? Basically, but but what? It, well, before I say that, but let me read you the tweets. Okay, she said. I do not believe these are days for mincing words. I'm 63 and a half years old, and I've never seen anything in these United States of America I found more astonishingly seductive and dangerous to the saints of God than Trumpism. This Christian nationalism is not of God. Move back from it. And she went on to, in two more tweets. She said, follow leaders. We will, uh, fellow leaders, leaders, we will be... We will be held. Sorry, I don't have my glasses on. We'll be held responsible for remaining passive in this day of seduction to save our own skin while the saints we've been entrusted to serve are being seduced, manipulated, used, and stirred up into a lather of zeal devoid of the Holy Spirit for political gain. Here's the last message. And God help us. We don't turn from Trumpism to Bidenism. We do not worship flesh and blood. We do not place our faith in mortals. We are the church of the living God. We can't sanctify idolatry by labeling a leader our Cyrus. We need no Cyrus. We have a king. His name is Jesus. This is this was her tweet, and I I cannot stop myself from stepping on the Beth Moore hornet's nest like once every two months. Okay. And while I actually don't think the message itself that we should not be putting a person before Jesus is an essential message. And I think a lot of people in this country have always struggled with that. I've struggled with this before in my own life. Uh, but the fact that she isn't this passionate about any other issue, I also, and I'll, then I'll shut up and let you guys talk. I find it curious that in 63 and a half years, she's never seen anything in these United States of America, more astonishingly seductive and dangerous than Trumpism. That to me is actually shocking. I'm not saying it's not dangerous. And first of all, I need to know what Trumpism is. I'm not saying it's not dangerous. What I am saying is that it's shocking to me that this is the only thing that has risen to this level for right, her. Right. Right. And to me, the Biden comment at the end just feels like a little bit thrown in just to like, you know, really play to people that she knows she's going to have that backlash from the statement. And, um, you know, I mean, it, this would be this would be almost like tolerable for me if she didn't have a history of defending leftists and specifically Christian leftists and that, you know, and she was willing to take a stand on on some of these issues in a stronger way. You know, she's been she's been soft on the marriage issue. I think she's been soft on on the abortion issue. And and so, you know, to sit there and go, I'm the only one that's holding to scripture and holding to Jesus as king, you know, it just feels like it's, you know, it just feels like a typical leftist attack 
against Trump and trying to project some sort of, you know, weird ideology that they, I mean, are there, are there Trumpists, you know, out there? I, again, kind of like you, I don't know what that really means. There's people that vote for Trump. Are there people that are like kind of crazy, you know, uh, in support of it? I'm sure there are. There's people that, you know, change their bodies to look like, you know, animals and get, you know, their, their, you know, uh, um, you know, chins pierced. I mean, or whatever, like, I don't know, uh, you know, you can find whatever you want, but is this what's happening across America? No, I don't think so. I think that the majority, especially of the Christian population that did vote for Trump did so. And you would hear it all the time. It's not about the person. It's about the policies. Mm -hmm. And, and those are the things that people are standing on. And to me, you know, she's out of touch. She's, she doesn't understand her audience and she keeps drifting, you know, further and further left. And, and, you know, I'm just waiting for, and I hope it doesn't happen, but yeah. So I, I mean, I, I, what I see a lot of times is that people, when they hit this place, it's very easy to start sliding into um, some form of deconversion. Mm. And, you know, she's holding, you know, she's saying she's holding on these biblical principles, but yet she's gotten very light on certain other biblical principles. And she's kind of picking and choosing which so one she's you, holding to. Can you give an example I, of where she's gotten light? Listen, let me let me put my reaction to what she says in context without giving my full yeah, reaction to it. Yeah, yeah. We've had these discussions about things like things that Beth Moore has said on Twitter or wherever else, and about other theologians and pastors and evangelists offline. We haven't had all yeah. these discussions online. Sure. I don't so, follow I don't follow I mean, I follow Beth Moore on Twitter. I mean, like, I click the follow button, but I don't read everything she writes. My experience with Beth Moore has been Bible studies that she's done that I've really liked, right? Yeah. And that my family's been a part of, that women's ministries have been a part of, all that stuff, okay? I don't know her history of addressing these other issues that people are saying she's become light on. I don't know if she has a history of, she used to be good on abortion, now she's not. She used to be good on traditional marriage, now she's not. I don't know. I, I can't... I don't know her record well enough to say that she has done this. I have not seen her lately speak up about abortion or traditional marriage or the things that conservatives tend to find important. So I can't say to you that that she's definitely that she that's weird that she's pulling this issue out when she's not talking about these others when she's never had a history of talking about these others to begin with. I don't know what her yeah. history is. But that but that's where her comment about and it's her right to say this. I find it hard to believe that somebody who's lived almost 64 years finds this to be the most troubling thing impacting the church. The the church has had a progressive wing that has been trying to co-opt it forever and it's shocking to me that that doesn't seem like something that would be right. Trump is going to go away and nobody is going to care anymore eventually and I mean, I, listen, I do understand the concern over people who, but these people have always existed, people on the right who have put country above God. This is something that we all know because probably every one of us has struggled with this on this podcast at one point or another or merged the two when we shouldn't have. Right. I would have had no problem with her message had she didn't intentionally go throw in the Trumpism statement in an effort to, you know, when you do that, what you essentially do is you throw out this term that's going to make people who voted for Trump feel uncomfortable. You're, you're not really sure. Is she talking about me? Is she not? Is she saying that everybody who voted for Trump is that way? And the Bidenism comment, honestly, is literally what Lucas said it was. Nobody's ever going to worship Biden in the same way they did Trump because right. it's not. There's just nothing there. We're not even sure he's alive. Well, like, I mean, like not in the church, not in the church politically, people. But you're talking about her because her specific comment about 
I've never found anything more astonishing, seductive, and dangerous to the saints of God. And she's talking about within the church, right? There are so Do many you people think that, that Trump have... is the most dangerous thing inside the church that somebody could experience in 64 years? How many decades? So here's here's where, and again, I don't know all of the things. I, I know that I wish there are things that she has stood up she's against before. She's born in the before. 50s, just so you know. Right, so born I wish she'd stood up against progressivism. I know that she's got some she's got some relationships, some positive relationships, some good, I mean, should say some close relationships with progressive Christians, and she doesn't apparently stand up against the... Uh, take a stand on the things that she would disagree with with them. I, I get all that, okay? But where she's coming from, from a, a woman in Texas who's friends with the Bushes, is a longtime, I believe, Republican, friend of the Bushes. She's traditional Texas Republican, right? She goes to these conservative, she's in a conservative church to, to a point that this church, that she goes and does these women's ministries things because my understanding was, at least at the time, she wasn't allowed to teach men because of the theology. A very conservative church in a very conservative part of the country, right? So she <laughs> hasn't experienced the progressivism within the church that she would call astonishingly seductive and dangerous simply because it didn't happen where she was. In sure, her but she local appears church, on its podcast. In her church, but in her church now, where she attends, she sees all of the Trump the MAGA nation making its inroads there. Does that make sense? It's a problem. I would suspect you froze we, for a little we bit. We lost there. you for a second. So there. anyway, I, I'm just—I was just saying that she, she, she takes her, her experience within her church in the South that in a conservative church, they didn't have the experience. Perhaps they didn't have the experiences of progressivism, progressivism seeping in. Maybe her, her experience has been but she's, Trumpism she's in that seen church. It. You know, she's she is a. She, it's not like she's just got this country church and she hasn't been out of no, you know, I know that. west virginia back roads to know what's going on in the rest of the world you know i mean she's she's active on twitter she's active you know in social media um and she she's constantly doing shows and conferences and everything sure. else you know she's she uh so for example uh and i don't have you know i'm not prepared for a full list of you know reasons why i think beth moore is you know uh, drifting you know left here and i, I mean and to she me may it's well not even be. opinion don't don't, thing. don't, I mean, don't get me so wrong. she she, you know, she originally, I think in a lot of her like 2009, 2010 books had had written very strongly about kind of the marriage issue. She recanted all that and actually very oh, quietly her, her publisher took those lines out of her old books. Oh, so really? any book that she addressed that. homosexuality, any book that she addressed, you know, kind of same sex marriage sort of issues being a sin. She actually had all of that quietly pulled from her books. And then people started finding out about it. She eventually made a statement about it. Um, that, you know, is on the internet if people want to, you know, look that up. Uh, and she's, you know, to me, like as a pastor, you should have questionable relationships. Here's what I mean. Mm -hmm. You should be involved with people and you should be friends with sinners. Yeah. And I think that that's something that's there. Um, and, you know, it's tough when you're close with people that um, the world would look at and view as kind of this sinner, you know, ungodly person. As a pastor, it's hard to sit there and say, hey, guys, uh, you know, leave me alone because I'm ministering to them. You can't mm -hmm. say that publicly because then all of a sudden that friendship becomes really weird. And like, right. oh, so you're just friends with me because you're ministering to me, you know, right. sort of thing when it's a public figure. And so it, it becomes tough to defend. But I think there are statements that can be made to um, to help, you know, dismiss some of the accusations that are there. And I've not seen Beth make any of those. Mm. You know, she's constantly running with, you know, and I'll name names because nobody else is going to want to. But, you know, people like Jen Hatmaker, right. Jonathan Barrett, who have gone through, you know, what I would call massive deconversion, you know, movements, and they seem to cheer when other people 
go through deconversion. And, you know, they've they've both kind of cited Beth as their their spiritual mentors at various times. Beth's long done time, where long she speaks to him. time mentor, long yeah. time mentor, yeah. long time mentor. Now, that and, may be maybe she's minister. I, you know, I've been. Part, yeah, I don't yeah. know. And I think again, and I, I actually, you know, I've addressed this in some things I've, you know, kind of tackled here recently. But like the from from Beth's standpoint there, I want to give people the benefit of the doubt. But there are certain things that you can say in those situations without ruining that friendship. I mean, I have Hollywood friends. Sure. I mean, I have people that I've ministered to. You know, I have I have, uh, you know, people that that public people would know and go, you know, what's the relationship type of thing there? There's a way to do it that you don't glorify what that person is dealing with. And you you still make sure that the rest of the world knows that you stand upon biblical values and and the truth of the word in all of its facets. Yeah, I, I believe that Beth Moore loves Jesus. I'm not I agree. I'm not questioning any of that. I and, and listen, I feel like and I've been guilty of this a million times, so I'll, I'll be a hypocrite and I'll just say it. I think that you send a tweet series like that because you want to get 140,000 retweets and likes you don't <laughs> it is true. unhelpful there's nothing helpful about her message one side you know feels really like they've been beaten down because they feel like they're the trumpest since it's not really defined what that means yeah. and the other side feels like ha 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 look she right. you know, look she's siding with us you're all wrong i just did a video that's coming out on this exact topic and I didn't name any names. I talked about, I, I mentioned Trump in the context of not his fault, people obsessing over him mm -hmm. and the fact that there's nothing wrong with supporting him, but we shouldn't put our faith in a person and we're all guilty of doing this. That's how you address it. I, my issue with it is more, it feels intentionally as though it was a cry for attention in some way and she got it. Yeah. Now I'm not going to say that was her reason for sending it, but it felt that way. That's all I'm going to say to me. And I don't find it helpful. Have right. a conversation. If you want to be, you're Beth Moore. You can do a simulcast. Get people right. together to talk about it. Well, now, now, do you find it not helpful because she hasn't raised other issues or simply that particular statement not helpful? I find it unhelpful because she hasn't raised other issues. But I think beyond that and more importantly than that, it's unhelpful because it actually puts people on the defensive and doesn't identify. Again, she's not. she leads with, I'm not going to mince words. And then the words are minced. Right. What is a Trumpist? Right. What does that mean? Right. What is Bidenism? It doesn't exist. You've made it up to cover yourself in your third tweet in a series of insanity. That <laughs> like all of these things. Now, I actually don't think she's wrong about the issue at the core of it, though. And right. I don't disagree with her issue. The conclusion uh, of like Jesus, you know, is the only thing that we worship. Right. And this. Uh, yes, absolutely. Right. But it's it's kind of a straw man argument to think that there are Christians, real Christians that are worshiping either biden or trump i don't think that that's happening well I, and, and i said listen i i don't have a problem with what she said just by itself if i have no idea of sure. her, her <laughs> history and i look at what she wrote i mean if i don't have any idea of her political history i didn't know that she's recanted or or had removed or whatever stuff about traditional marriage i don't i have an issue with her doing that going back on that but as as someone who's just i read those three tweets and I agree that she says, so I don't mince words. And then she talks about Trumpism. Well, what does that mean exactly? I have an assumption that's probably pretty close. Christian nationalism is not of God. I don't know what she means by that. If she's talking about racism or something, then okay. I don't know exactly what she means, but I have some assumptions that are probably fairly close. I don't have an issue with that because I don't think she's talking about people necessarily 
worshiping, like bowing down to Donald Trump or Joe Biden. I think right. she's talking about we have made we have we have gone and we have said Christianity is you can you can, if you wear a cross or a or or an elephant lapel pin, right? It's the same thing. Right, that she's saying that people are equating those. Two. That is a problem, and I would agree with that. Sure. If you're sure. saying um, Trump is my pastor, like you're treating him like he's your pastor or your savior, not necessarily worshiping, but do you know what I mean? That you're following him and you are equating the person you vote for with the person who saved your soul. We got a problem there. I do have some friends, not you, Lucas, but I do have some friends who are. Uh, I'm teasing. Who are in that camp? Like I have you are not a, you are not like a that. Christian if you did not if you do not support Republicans Absolutely. and vote for Trump. But but the reason why they would say things like that and look, I I have um and you know we'll talk more about this next year. Right. But there there is you know I, I'm not a I'm not a fan of the language of like you can't be you know uh, a Democrat and be a Christian. I think that's destructive. I think it it, it kills the the conversation. I think yeah. there's better ways to address that. But, you know, the the policies is what's what's behind that. You know, it's not about the candidates. It's not about those things. It's about issues like, you know, pro-life and different things. But now, is the Republican people, Party. But for a lot of people, it wasn't about the policies. It's about this guy giving the finger to the left and people in the churches that that's sure, what they wanted. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I, think that, um, I think that insult if, culture, the meme that's what culture. Beth, if that's what Beth is getting at, she is 100 percent correct. Because but you I have, have to identify it, what Trump is. I have seen it in my own church. I have seen it in my own family. The statement was divisive Trump in how it was intended, problem. you know, right, and like, she has been somebody who's actively tweeted against Trump, you know, for several years now yeah. and and uh, and sided with, you know, other policies. I mean, I I, I just think that, um, again, I don't disagree with every single aspect. And I also don't question like Billy. I don't question that Beth is a is, you know, loves Jesus or, you know, is I'm not questioning her salvation. I don't think that's my sure. my job. But I think that she is getting slippery on certain issues, and and that tends to happen when you allow, I think, people to influence you more than you're influencing them. And I think that that, that seems to, from the outside, have taken place with her with several of these relationships that and, she and, has. And let me so, be clear. I don't think that the—I'm uh, not saying that these tweets are not worth criticism. I think that they totally are, especially when taken in the entire history of— of her sure. Twitterdom, right? And that's yeah. that in the scope of things, it's worth what they say in a vacuum. Just those statements. Anybody yeah. on the right or any faith leader could have made those comments, and I'd have gone. I think there's something to what you're saying. Right. Yeah. I I think, but I think the Trumpism term is a problem, and that it needs and to the be... Christian nationalism without them being defined. An un Trumpism undefined Christian nationalism undefined. I Maybe think she right. kind of defines it, but I think it needs to be more than a tweet. If you're gonna, and, and then she did tweet out there was like Gospel Coalition wrote something about about this issue after, and she tweeted it out and said, "If you want to know more, this explains it." I do want to say on her blog in 2019, I had never, I never saw this until just now. She addressed why I removed some of my commentary from a chapter of Praying God's Word, um, and she actually explains in detail, and she says. Uh, it was about overcoming sexual strongholds. She said, when I wrote the book, I guess many years ago, I, I exceeded scripture and singled out same sex sin as particularly satanic. And then she goes on to talk about how all sexual sin is satanic. There's an interesting line in this blog. She says, I hold firmly to traditional 
to a traditional Christian sexual ethic and continue to believe the Bible sets apart marriage as a covenant between a man and a woman. But I also believe that scripture clearly teaches that all sex outside of marriage is contrary to God's will. Uh, so it's interesting. She actually addresses that in detail in there, which I had not but you seen. You should have added that to the book rather than cutting the stuff that you cut. And, and still, even that statement doesn't do it for me fully because I think there are, I just think there's undertones in there of what she's saying and how she's wording it. I, to you me, know, that, I, I mean, think she's, for uh, what we, I mean, from, from Paul's, I mean, in, in Romans one, Paul gives a, he gives a progression of sin developing in society. And it ends with having lust for, you know, in an unnatural way for those mm -hmm. of the same sex. And so, you know, it's not, it's not wrong to sit there and say, as we continue in this thing, we eventually arrive at this place. Does that mean that, you know, I mean, it doesn't take, you know, any sin is capable of, apart from Christ, separating you from God. Okay. And so, yes, all sin is demonic or, you know, satanic or whatever you want to, you know, label you want to put on that. But, you know, to me, um, I mean, I've read some of the other stuff around that. I'm not fully convinced of of her position. And I think that that this is I mean, this is a judgment, but it's hard for me not to see that and go, here is somebody who eventually wants to be the first female president you know of just, the uh, the I, SBC. I, re I read it. <laughs> I read it as some as as this is somebody who wants to be able to sell more books and doesn't want to cut out her crowd. Her her right. Yeah. Her potential buyers. I, mean, listen, and I think I got caught. But, but I do I, think I do think though that she's. You add that statement to the book, and don't cut the stuff about same sex marriage or homosexuality or whatever. But you add that statement to the book or something like that to the book and keep it. Then you've got a different. Then you've got a different thing, right? I mean, then Lucas. That doesn't undermine her. Uh, it Absolutely. undermines her Absolutely. statement to have removed that stuff and then say what she said, yes. rather than saying what yeah. she said and adding it to the book without cutting that material. Yeah, I mean, it felt look, like it, she was damaging mothers who were already struggling and feeling beaten down and excluded with what she had put in. She now, I, I mean, be, we should have her on this show. I doubt she'd come on, but not after everything. I hey, actually, I, I always say nice things about her in the end. I don't think she's a. I think she does a lot of great things. She's done a lot of great things for faith. I I think that some of her stuff has been unhelpful to advancing. You're not winning anybody over with a Trumpism tweet. You again, you're I, separating people. I feel about Beth Moore the way I do Will Smith. Okay. And I love Will Smith. I think that he's he's a great actor. But here's the problem with Will Smith. And I think he's coming out of this a little bit, but Will Smith commonly plays Will Smith. In every movie that he does, he does a version of himself that he thinks that he's supposed to be or what the audience loves. And it gets him out of being a natural actor into being Will Smith. And I think Beth Moore went from a very natural Bible teacher. Some of the things that you were talking about, Chris, to all of a sudden becoming, you know, kind of this fiery woman that she thinks that everybody is looking for. Right. And she's jumping in fights for the sake of jumping in fights. And I think that she's better than that. And I would love to see her, you know, kind of return back to roots of, you know, scripture and and, you know, keep the relationship she has minister to these people. I, I'm glad people are. But, you know, don't celebrate this sort of, you know, uh, the, the celebration of diversity, you know, within within Christianity when that means going outside of yeah. of of scripture. And there's a way and, and, you know, please hear audience might not you know know me well, but like. You know, there I I am for loving all people. I'm for ministering to all people, and but I think that we cannot do that at the chagrin of of you know the 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 truth or standing upon the word. 
All right. Billy. Well, did you need to say I, anything else about poor Beth Moore that you've just beaten like a baby seal? I've got nothing else left right. to say. Okay, so does that mean we're done? Because this I has mean, kind of been our Christmas show, so we're not going to be, we're probably not going to record again until 2021. I mean, I'm happy we, to not have to see your face. We, we have to, we have to talk. I have a, oh. I have a thing on Tuesday. What? That's happening. Are, are you having a procedure? I'm no, I'm having. Oh, oh my gosh. Release. Before we go. Oh, oh, oh. Mar- yes. Listen, Lucas has a movie coming out. Like yeah. A- Right, an actual it's not like, movie. It's not, and it's not one that he shot in his garage with a camcorder. I, it's like a like I a real shoot. movie. <laughs> right. So yeah, there is a film releasing on December twenty second, and it's called The Penitent Thief. It's based on a book called The Tale of the Penitent Thief. Is there a trailer uh, by for Don Willis, who is our um, executive producer? And so Don's a, a a dear friend. We've been working on this project for a few years. I originally started off just as a producer, kind of a Sherpa role. Uh, with him helping get this dream out um, and then ended up about halfway through the film. Um, I stepped in as a uh, as basically the director of the second half of the movie. And so when you when you film, you don't film in order. So it's not literally that the second half of the film is my portion. But I filmed, you know, I directed um, about 50 percent of the movie. And wow. so um, and you just have to guess which 50 percent that is. I also acted in this film. Okay. And so it's a funny story about that. And um, we, I get to set in Texas. We shot at the same place the Chosen did at Capernaum Village for the the half that I directed. And we get down there, and we had cast a guy as Joseph, as in Mary and Joseph. And this film covers both Christmas and Easter in the timeline. It's a backstory on the two thieves on the cross and how they might have gotten to the cross. And uh, I get a call from Joseph's agent the day before we're supposed to film his scenes, and um, she's like, "Hey, he can't make it." What? And and so um, the we had very few options. We started calling, and you know, we're in Texas, and nobody nobody looks like a Joseph, you know, in Dallas, Texas, that we're trying to pull and, and find. And uh, and so Don, our executive producer, he goes, "Hey, we were looking for a cameo for you. Why don't you play Joseph?" And so I play Joseph in the film, which I thought originally was just going to be a couple lines, and it ends up being a little bit more than that. So. Um, I'll, I'll maybe Billy, you and I can have a talk about if we're going to go sag now after, uh, after this role. So we have to talk about this because I just am so cheap. I don't want to spend the $3,000, but I would love to join sag. I don't mind two fifty a year, but $3,000 like, yeah, yeah. And I, I did you grab, did you join sag Lucas? No, I've not joined sag. Are you going to, I'm excited for you on this movie. Where can people go to like, yeah. They, I appreciate that. They can go to, it'll be, um, we're told Amazon Prime. It's available for pre order on iTunes. And uh, my part is in the first uh, 30 minutes of the movie. So nice. uh, you could see me pretty much right away. And um, let's see here. It'll also be, I think, Comcast on demand. We'll have some other platforms that'll kick out later. I mean, we could have a, you know, there could be Netflix or right. uh, even Pure Flix conversations down the road. I just don't know on those. So I, I'm speaking so who, out of line. Tell people who else is in the movie. Yeah, uh, so it's Kevin Sorbo plays King Herod, right? Which most people aren't used to him playing sort of a bad guy, so that's a unique place for him. Uh, Stelio Savante, dear friend of ours, um, and uh, he plays uh, a guy named Tyrion, who's sort of the uh, kind of the king of the thieves. Um, uh, and um, there is uh, James Russo, who you you might recognize if you don't know his name. You've seen him in all sorts of mob movies. Uh, great actor, character actor, and um, J.G. Anoni. 
uh, is uh, uh, plays one of the thieves. Um, and so we we uh, the story is written that the two thieves on the cross are brothers, which makes it very interesting. And so you're kind of, you know, trying to guess maybe which one of these is going to turn out to be that penitent thief uh, and which one is not. And so uh, the, the the film starts at the birth of Christ and, and ends at the cross. Uh, but yet it it's sort of. Uh, threads that story through this fictionalized tale of the uh, the two thieves. So is there, is there that a trailer comes out on there? Tuesday. Is there a trailer? Yeah, out there, there there is a trailer. Yes. Where is it? Uh, is it? I, um, I'm it so on let me grab it here because there's two trailers. I wanted to make sure I give you the the right one. Send me a send me a link to it. We can play the trick. Can we play? Can we play the trailer on the show? Yeah, yeah, we can play it. Okay. Um. Let's get my headphones here. So it might start automatically playing on my side. Let me pause it. Oh, okay. I am sending that to you now on our little chat box here. So, and there it is. We're very professional here on the show. Very prepared. Oh, so it's there. Let me, um, yeah. can you send it to that text? The, the text you and I, the group text we've been doing, because what you, that, that window is on a different computer from what I'm going to put on the phone text or just phone text or phone text. Do you have it? Oh, I'm gonna send it via email. I might, I you know might what? be no, able to I got play it, it from my end. I got it here. I got it. I got it. I got it. I, got I can it. share my it? screen. Hold on. Just a second. I got it. Control oh. C. I could actually show the video, but whatever, Chris. You you get it with your frog shirt. <laughs> All right. I emailed it to you if you don't have it. So to both your emails. Come on. Control V. Why is it not pasting? For crap's sake. So, well, we will play here in just a second, assuming. The, so, and anyway, I'll talk about it more while you yes, while you get that. Yes. And let me know. So, the uh, we we got this film done right before. Um, you know, we we finished. I think uh, I think almost all the shooting was done in 2019. So we kind of dodged a bullet with the 2020 you know film set sort of experience. So once you know we went into quarantine and shutdown, we were able just to kind of focus on you know editing and and you know post production and everything else, special effects. And uh, it's interesting, you know, this is a pretty um, uh, it's an aggressive film in the sense for the budget level that we're at taking on a period piece with the level of special effects we have level of kind of sword play and fighting scenes and everything else. So, um, you know, that's uh, uh, that was a brave, a brave move by our team. But, you know, I think at the budget level we're at, we we pulled off a, a film that's kind of comparable to what you're going to see okay. at, uh, at, at, you know, similar faith, faith right. movies. Let's let's give this a shot. here. Here we go. of Pontius Pilate, you are to be crucified for your many crimes against the citizens of Rome. Kill every male child under the age of two. Yes, my lord. Where does a desert rat like you Get a coin like this. He stole it. It takes one thief to know another, huh? I think the time has come for you and your brother to become permanent members of our family. I promised mother I would protect you. So no mistakes. No mistakes. Ah! 
If you forgive a man the sins he has committed against you, then our Father will also forgive you. Yes, you are. Do not seek the forgiveness of Jehovah without having a truly penitent heart. It is finished. There she sounds, is. Wow. It sounds That's really awesome. good. I like that bass in there. So Yeah, uh, so yeah, the, uh, Adam Gregory uh, cut that trailer together and uh, great, uh, great filmmaker. Cool. So he was our, our so DP on the second what's part. The, what's the rating on this movie? You know what? I have actually not seen that yet. Um, I would assume it's going to get a PG 13. Okay. So, you know, I mean, there is kind of some, some stabbing and swords and fighting and that sort of stuff. Uh, I mean, the crucifixion scene is, is not the passion, you know, yeah, in the sense of, of that, but there, there's actually the, the scourging scene is pretty gruesome that, mm. that, um, my wife looked over at me during that when she watched and she's like, how'd you guys do that? You know, so right. they did a really good job on that particular scene, especially. And uh, uh, so it, it's uh, yeah, but I would guess PG-13. And how did how did you do the scourging? Because I, I, I've heard Caviezel talk about how he had these plates on and they a couple times missed the plates, you know? Yes. So, you know, we did it with the, the J. It was Jay Giannone uh, who plays uh, one of the thieves. And so he had his shirt off. So, you know, when you're typically seeing Jesus whipped in most, you know, kind of, uh, you know, faith based things, we don't really follow that part of the story until he intersects. And so what we're following is the thieves getting, you know, whipped here. Mm -hmm. So um, you have this this scourging that's happening. And so part of it was um, you kind of shoot it with a blank back, basically just a back with no makeup on it or anything like that. You shoot it then again with a back with makeup on it, mm -hmm. and they have all sorts of, uh, um, you know, uh, just you know, kind of this rubber, right. you know, paint on rubber stuff they add in there. It looks it looks pretty gruesome. And then, um, you know, we had kind of a couple different variations and worked our way up, you know, to that so they can kind of blend all this together. And then there's special effects in there as well cool. of kind of some of the splatter and some of the things that you see. And it it it, I mean, it looks really real with it. It's pretty crazy. And how long did it take to film this movie? I mean, what was your Total so time. this project I've been involved with for about four years now, um, and it's, you know, in the initial phases, it's fundraising, especially at this level where you're really trying to bring together the investors for the project. Um, and so, you know, to to give people an idea, especially if people follow the business, I mean, this film is it's about a half a million dollar film, yeah. you know, so compared to what you're seeing in Hollywood features, you know, that's not a lot of money. But, you know, for for an independent, you know, movie that's video on demand, that's that's a decent budget, you know. And so um, the uh, it took a while to kind of get to that point. Um, and then, you know, the the production side of it, I mean, we probably filmed on and off for about, uh, you know, 18 months because we had different locations that we kind of jumped to in order to get everything. So most of the most of the principal uh, production was done in about a six month period. And then we had a couple pickup days and those things for some of the some of the scenes. Cool. Awesome. It's funny. My hand appears in multiple places. Like we had some inserts that like we needed like, hey, we need to see this little thing from a different angle. And so like actors are gone. So like <laughs> it's like we're using like people that are just around for like these hand punch so shots. You see these stuff. little girly hands, you know, you know, it was when you <laughs> right. Yeah. If you see Hobbit hands, then, you know, yeah, <laughs> I am very I'm excited for you, though. You this is exciting. Look how it's mad big. Billy is because you didn't ask him to be in the movie. I'm really tired of not, you know, 
First of all, if you would have been sag, Billy, I would have had you in. I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you something. If I can just show up and not do much and say a line, Sounds and, like right. I, I want to have a career in Hollywood where I nobody knows who I am and I just say a, a line in, in every movie. Show and up in I random leave, places and I collect and my decks. That's, that's all I need. Yeah, that's right. Like the guys that Adam Sandler has in his movies. Like it's. Are all you gonna do another movie anytime Ryan. soon? He's, he like, can be your Rob so Reiner. I have about three different Reiner. films that are in, um, you know, what I would call pre-production. And so, so I expect to be cast. That's the yes. Point. Oh, of course, of course. We have okay. you slated for several lead roles. So I don't need to be a lead. I told you. Rob yes. I was raptured and left behind. Yes. I played myself on a Fox News segment in God's Not Dead. That was you I did a good job happy. of playing yourself, by the way. Right. I had a fun. Right. I had fun with that. Actually, it was the section of people don't know this, but there was a part of God's Not Dead. Uh, there was a Christmas section, and he was the the part for uh, I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. Oh, shut up! <laughs> you know, I wrote every year. Our family does a wishing ball thing, and and you write your wishes for the next year. And I wrote serious ones, but one of them was to be in a Hallmark Christmas movie, and it did not happen. So oh. I have I have a Christmas movie that um, we need to talk to a mutual friend of ours and convince into taking this on. But the um, it would be it's it's an amazing script, and so it's actually it's actually one that I wrote. We've had. Hallmark has looked at it. Lifetime has looked at it, um, but uh, they 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 passed last year, so we're trying to make that happen. So, uh, but it's made through a couple rounds of of kind of eyes on this thing, and, and cool. everybody like who sees it like sees the merit. They want to do it. We just haven't fully gotten it off the ground yet, but it's going to happen. So, Christmas movie is going to well, take place. Is, I want to play the fat neighbor. So, <laughs> write that every in. Every Christmas movie needs a fat you neighbor. You have to have the fat right. neighbor. Can I play the ex boyfriend, the guy who gets dumped by the star? <laughs> Yes, yeah, you're the perfect. pizza delivery man. That's what <laughs> right. where it ends for you. <laughs> but if you get a line, plumber. that's all you I need. Plumber, like the pizza delivery man from Home Alone, very literally is probably making hundreds of thousands of dollars still. Jeez. Yeah, so stupid. That's ridiculous. It is stupid. Right. I mean, I I got a taste of that fifty-five cent sag check, and I that I get every. <laughs> it's like, have you seen that episode of Seinfeld where Jerry keeps getting all these checks? Right, yeah, he's, yeah. He's like getting hand no, I, cramps. I get, I get two checks. checks a year so far from my God's Undead thing, and they are very small. But I am here for it, and but I will show up. They're not insignificant, right? though. They're not insignificant. Right, no, they're right. not. I will show up. I, that's what makes me want to want to join Sig just to have this BS mini career that isn't even a career where I show <laughs> up for twenty minutes to do things and then go home. Did you ever join Sag original? I mean, like. To, in order to get these, keep getting these checks, is that no? You join under a you join under the writer law. I'm forgetting the name of it. So you I'm were. Uh, it's called uh, Taft Hartley. Oh, Taft Hartley. So you so join under Taft Hartley. Yep. For that production, but it makes you eligible. Yes. So the general rule about SAG, as I go into my, if I put on my producer hat here, the general rule about SAG is you don't join unless you have to, because there's no reason to pay the money up front. Billy wants the accolade of going. I'm in SAG. Right. He wants no, to I, no, 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 no. I he want wants to say he's in SAG. <laughs> but you get the you get cast first, and then once you get cast, then you they like certain productions would kind of force you to tip into SAG, and you don't really have a choice at that point. And so I want you, free DVDs. Yes, sure. Well, make so that wait, happen. None of paid, this is unacceptable. So if you if you join SAG, what's the financial benefit of it? I mean, what's the? Well, they do have benefits. Yeah, they but, yeah I mean, they have insurance. They have all sorts of right, different but you're things. Not, and you're, you're not getting due. checks for anything that you're not in if you're in SAG. Correct. Yeah, right? it's you're a union, always, and right, you only get is, you know right. money off of the stuff that you've done. So some people join it for a while, and then they're like they're sick of paying the dues, and they'll they'll bow yeah, out of it. The dues are so cheap once you're in it. 
Yeah. But why? It's like why, it's like two hundred and forty dollars a year, two hundred fifty dollars a year. There, is there is what do you lose if you join SAG, right? And you get a you get a movie acting gig, and you join SAG, and then you get out of SAG a few years later. What do you so, lose? Well, so the, the what you it's more so what you lose when you, um, when you join SAG too early. So if people like let's say they're in the Midwest or they're in you know even a place like maybe not Atlanta so much but let's say you know uh, Fayetteville uh, Arkansas which has you know Bentonville and everything more productions coming there um, a lot of these you know low budget productions that are between maybe a hundred thousand and sometimes even up to a million dollars they're sometimes doing these things that are um, where they're uh, it's with part of the SAG ultra low budget agreement. So they can hire SAG and union and non-union actors. Certain budget levels, you can only hire union actors, and that's where you kind of get forced into doing this. But the problem is, like, if I see a union actor for just a bit part, you know, for my lead roles, I'm going to hire union actors. Yeah. But if it's just like what Billy's talking about, or like a little side role where he has a line, I don't want to hire a union actor for that. First of all, don't have, talk about my side roles. Second have, of all, <laughs> second of all. I'll take I have to deal with role. I'll take I have to deal role. with paperwork on that. I have to deal all of a sudden the set changes. There's all these special rules that you have to follow, especially now with COVID would stuff. You, would you never? Would you never hire a non-SAG person for a lead role? And what would be the reason not to? So I, if it was a, again for certain budget levels, you can't. But if it was an, if it was a modified or a low budget film that you had the ability to hire union or non-union actors, if I had a great actor who wasn't SAG yet, I would certainly hire them okay. for a for a major role. But I wouldn't hire a SAG actor for a small role. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, fine. Unless unless I, they have some sort of distribution value. So if you you know if it's if it's you know if Al Pacino wants to play the next door neighbor and right. the movie can have him on the poster and he only has one line I'll do that deal all day long. Right. But if it is if it's you know if the person doesn't have distribution value, which of course Billy has distribution. Value. I will tweet clearly. It. I will tweet yeah. it to my five followers, and Beth Moore will probably buy it. Right. And so yeah, at that point, it's a Beth, good deal. Beth Moore, which is nice. I'd like to be friends with Beth Moore. I need to make that happen somehow. <laughs> Anyway, well, this has been fun. Um, sure this episode will help. <laughs> yeah. If you write a recant of everything you said on this, yeah, I would like Barb to recant her book review. That's oh. what I would like. <laughs> Maybe beautiful, recant anything. Beautiful be Barb. Barb. I'd like to recant my message that I did ten years ago when oh. I told people that Santa wasn't real, <laughs> and and like thirty years before that. Oh, yes. <laughs> A long a history of ruining person. Christmas. All right, so Wait, that did means... your stupid frog have a hat on? I've got to go. This I can't is not look a at this it's, anymore. It's Yoda. He's wearing a Santa. <laughs> Yoda. Yoda. Bet. What's his name? Yoda. 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 All right. Yoda Lehu. I, I got to go. I can't do this All anymore. Right, so I guess that means we're doing this. All right. Well, Merry Christmas, you animals. I don't think we'll be here again before. We didn't overly fight today. No, 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 sad. because somebody was like, "We're not talking about politics tonight in Trump." Some one of the princesses. <laughs> Actually, on we show all was were like that. To, we, we I had were. enough of it. We were we vicious both, last week. Exactly. The Church Boys. Well, let's get this over with. Now, how can you overlook that? Great bouncing iceberg. I want to be your pal, right? Right. You get away from me. All right now. That's better. There are more important things than comfort. Self-respect. From now on, gang, we won't let Rudolph join in any reindeer games, right? Hmm. Well, it needs work. I have to go.